Hello everyone and welcome back to Movius Ministries Podcast. This is your friend Josiah. Well everyone, the Lord gave it to us. He blessed us with it. We are in a new year. Happy New Year. January 2nd, 2024. I came out with an episode just a few episodes ago, or actually it was the last episode. Um, I kind of got caught in my words because my dog is barking again in the background because someone just got home. But anyway, I came out with an episode about uh, three things. I, I combined three different topics into one episode. I was thinking about doing three different, uh, three different episodes, but I was like, nah, I'll just jam it all into one. Um, so I, ta- I, I talked about what the Lord's taught me this year. Got really vulnerable, shared some really deep stuff. Number two, I shared, I believe it was six prophetic words that I saw over 2024. And then number three, um, uh, I shared my stats, uh, the numbers that the Lord has blessed me with uh, here on my podcast. And there was some really remarkable stuff. So I'm really grateful the Lord's continued to uh, bless my podcast. And I hope it's blessed you guys. I hope it's really encouraged you in your walk with Christ, continually putting your trust in Him. And in the midst of us, um, seeing that, what he did for us, having a life that says no to sin and yes to righteousness. This is season, son of a gun, let me get my notes up. <laughs> season 26, episode 249. And here on Movius Ministries, I, with the help of the Holy Spirit, thank God, do my best to interpret scripture, help you grow in your intimacy with the Lord, encourage you to remain steadfast through tough seasons and continue to be, to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you're new to my podcast or I've been listening for some time now, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Over three years ago now, I had to switch that again. I'm going to have to switch that in my notes in my MacBook. God told me to start this podcast and to start, and to start using the teaching gift that he's given me. Um, and that's all by his sovereign will. And my number one prayer, you guys hear me say it every week, but I mean it, is that God's will is done in your life. If you have any questions or comments about today's sermon, you can email me at josiahmovius12 at yahoo.com. Um, anything you want to reach out to me at all, I, I want to help you. I'm the Lord's servant, and whatever, anything that you need help with, I would love to do whatever I can do. Um, so... I've got, I think, 24 pages here uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I've been really loving our study in this book, beloved. Um, I'm not sure if you've gotten any really cool insights, but um, I've really liked it. I think chapter 2 and chapter 4, maybe even chapter 5, just some really insightful stuff, some verses that have just given me understanding about certain things that I think about. So I'm, I'm really, really grateful. Um, the verse of the day is a pretty well-known verse uh, by, by some people. If you don't know it, that's okay. You're going to learn it today, Lord willing. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. I got my new um, my little calendar a day thing where you, you, you rip one page off and then it gives you another verse of the day. Um, bought it at uh, Great Lakes Crossing Mall uh, a couple months ago, I think. Maybe, I think it was actually last month. I was like, you know what, I need a new one because I send these to people that I know very well every day and could be something that God wants to speak to them um, and just uh, another way that I can encourage another believer. Um, So Philippians chapter 4, 
um, verse 8. And Paul says, out of the Amplified, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy and respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable or of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. So Father, as we get into today's episode, I do ask that you just give me grace. Even though I have notes prepared, I pray you would anoint my lips. Um, I pray for the person listening and Lord, whatever whatever you have for them, that you would bless them, Father. Um, I just pray for living understanding, Lord. I pray for renewed minds. Just pray for encouragement. I I pray for those going through spiritual warfare. Father, I just pray that who's ever listening, that they would call out to you, whether whether they've continued to or it's for the first time, Lord, that you would draw near to them. Have mercy, Lord. Just pray you'd reveal your son in today's episode. That you would show us his beauty again in what he did for us and that our confident hope would be continually in him. In his precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, um, let's dive in here. I gotta fix my I have a I've opened my Bible so many times by the grace of God that the chapters one two, three, and part of four of Ephesians is ripped out of my Bible. So sometimes when I open my Bible, I just take the whole paper out and set it down because then if I flip a page, I have to be like, oh, I have to make sure that page doesn't come out or like fall on the ground or whatever. I can just take it out and just leave it on the nightstand. So, or the coffee table, whatever. Cause I was just at the coffee shop and I read, uh, I'm going through Proverbs right now and like I said earlier, just some verses here in Ecclesiastes have been super insightful. Even in Proverbs, I've come across verses that have just, they've inspired me like crazy for the season that I'm in right now. And let me just, let me just go off note real quick, because this is, I really want to encourage you guys in something, okay? But this is something that I kind of thought about a long time ago, and I'm now seeing it come to pass. There are moments when let's say you're let's say you're reading one of the gospels. Okay, let's say you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And you read a chapter, and then you go about your day and you run errands or you go to work or you know, whatever. And then you think like, why did I forget what why why can't I remember? And so the first question I want to ask is why do we have that thought? I think number one is because there have been Christians who have self-righteously projected certain scriptures that they've memorized instead of realizing it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. Now, Paul also does say, he does say that knowledge puffs up. It's, uh, I believe that's somewhere in 1 Corinthians. But 
you can have knowledge puffing up without self-righteously projecting it on someone else. And then we feel shame because I, I don't remember what I read. Now here's the thing. In Pro there's other verses there's another verse in Proverbs that says, um, a word spoken at the right time, how beautiful is that? It's later on in Proverbs, I think it's like chapter twenty-eight. And I think like I think to myself, maybe the reason why you're not remembering certain verses because maybe you're not supposed to know them right now. Maybe you're not in that season. We just, you know, we went through chapter three of, uh, you know, a few episodes ago that there be there's a season for everything. A time to pluck up, a time to pluck up what has been planted. Like if you dive deep, if you go back to chapter three, you can see maybe what I'm explaining here in that little, in those few verses where it talks about the certain things for certain seasons like verses one through seven eight or nine i think because look i've read proverbs many times we obviously we went through proverbs here on my podcast months ago I, sometime last year and i'm like i didn't know like these like these verses that i'm reading like like it, it's proverbs three twenty five. it's a verse that spoke to me for the season that i'm in and i was like i've never known that verse and i've read proverbs tons of times and looking back i think the reason why is because god's saying you're not meant to re to remember memorize it yet. And your identity is not also found in how much scripture you know. Paul even says, he's like, all the scripture I knew, everything I knew, the law, everything. Philippians 3, I counted it all worthless. So that's the mindset that we also need to have when we're growing in knowledge of the word, growing in knowledge of certain contexts of scriptures, growing in knowledge of Greek and Hebrew language or Aramaic depending on where you're reading, because there is some Aramaic here and there. But I just, I hope that encourages you. Looking back, it just, it was a false kind of a shame. It was a shame from the enemy. Like, why don't you remember? And maybe sometimes that may be a rebuke from the Lord, but this is where we can, in moments when we're confused, because I've been in those moments and I have prayed about that. Like, Lord, I don't know if you're rebuking me or if, and I've been praying that recently. It's something I've been battling recently and I've had no response from the Lord. And when I don't have a response, I'm like, maybe I just don't need to worry. It does seem that I am concerned about this. And if you find yourself in that place as well, I mean, praise God for your new heart. You, you are concerned about it. The unbelieving, ungenerated, unregenerated, unrepentant sinner cannot have that type of reaction to the Lord. Unless the, Lord's op unless the Lord opens his eyes. We know Romans 1, the Lord hands these people over to a reprobate mind. Now that was us before we came to Christ. But anyway, I hope that encourages you. It's something that's been really encouraging me. Um, and then last thing, I really want to ask you guys for some, I want to ask you guys for some prayer about something. Um, I know a pastor, I used to listen to his teachings a long time ago and they were super influential in my life and it's been on my heart to, to go back and listen to it sometime. But it's a pastor, his name is Kevin Butcher. My mom used to be under him, uh, meaning uh, in a pastoral reference. And um, I've been emailing him and he's been giving me a lot of good information about Greek and Hebrew language. He's, given, he's been giving me boatloads of really good information that essentially can make my studies on scriptures to be super more in-depth. Looking at certain books, looking at certain certain commentaries that go super deep into Greek and Hebrew language, 
And I'm telling you, even as I speak right now, I, I can feel the Holy Spirit like like excited. Like I'm so excited to, to dive into this. So I've been emailing Kevin and trying to uh, um, see if I can learn more about these things and look at certain books and look at certain commentaries. Um, so I, essentially what I'm saying is I would appreciate your prayers that the Lord uh, continues to to grow my podcast in the way that I teach, in the way that I read the word. Um, I do my best to continue to be teachable. Scripture is just clear about how many blessings come to someone like that. That the there's there's the humble and there's the arrogant. There's the person who doesn't want to learn, the person who doesn't want to take advice, the person who doesn't receive a rebuke. It's and it it breaks my heart. I've seen people like that and it is it I do my best to not have like a haughty spirit at that moment, but to rather have a broken heart. So let's dive in here. We're 13 minutes in. Just really, I would appreciate your prayers in that, but we just did chapter six last week. So obviously, Lord willing, we're going to be doing chapter seven. So let's backtrack where we left off, beloved. Let's look at chapter six, starting in verse 10. We're going to read to verse 12, Lord willing. We're going to read this out of the Amplified. Whatever exists has already been named long ago. And it is known what a frail being man is, for he cannot dispute with him, meaning God, who is mightier than he. For there are many other words that increase um, futility. I think that's, if you guys remember, if you guys were here last week, and I don't mean that in like a favoritism way, but if you were here last week, I was trying to figure out how to pronounce that word. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, futility or let me just hang on one sec let's futility futility yep okay to continue verse 11 what then is the advantage for man because he can't dispute with god who is mightier than him so verse 12 says for who limited by human wisdom knows what is good for man during his lifetime during the few days of his feudal life He spends them like a shadow, staying busy, but achieving nothing of lasting value. For who can tell a man what will happen after him to his work, his treasure, his plans under the sun after his life is over? So just wanted to kind of reread those verses again um, as we get to chapter 7. Just in case you'd like to know the songs playing in the background. uh, It's called In the Spirit by Waldner Worship. Decided to kind of go back into the day. I know we haven't played this one in a while, but I really like this one. We will be getting into uh, looking at David Guzik's study notes, and we will be looking into Hebrew language today as well, just to give you guys a heads up. So it seems Solomon is ending this thought as we read Ecclesiastes 6, verses 10 through 12, of man is nothing but dust, and in the viewpoint of the one who lived for his own glory, what will happen to him or her in the end? With that in thought, let's dive into chapter 7, verse 1. Today, we will be reading out of the Amplified. Verse 1. A good name is better than precious perfume, and the day of one's death better than the day of one's birth. Why is one's death better than the day of one's birth, or his birth? I have typed in here. I just decided to change my wording a little bit. Well, again, beloved, we have to read these words in the lens of someone who lived for themselves. I've said that a few times here. In this study, but that is crucial to read this book through that lens. Many commentators would say the same thing. Many other influential pastors that I know would agree with that as well. 
The one who might experience the oppression of man like we read recently, right? That, that we, maybe, maybe Solomon is saying for the one who dies, they don't have to deal with the pain or the labor that is in vain because someone else will, will come and pick it up just where, we, just where they left off. We read that as well, uh, you know, in just a few other episodes ago. It's better that they die because all that smoke is now having to be dealt with. And this is, again, where we as saints, I'm going to fix what I'm saying here. I'm, I'm going to fix this. Who may sin can look at our glorious inheritance in the man God, Christ Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. As much as we can read this book through the lens of someone who lives for themselves, and we like to enjoy our lives, let us continually look at the true glory of us who are saints, who trust in Christ. Guzik says it like this concerning the verse, um, a good name is better than precious ointments. So ESV uses ointments, uh, amplified or other versions might say perfume. And the day of death better than the day of one's birth. At the end of Ecclesiastes 6, the preacher was in a mournful, discouraged mood as he considered the meaningfulness of life in a world without eternity. Again, when you read that, it, it makes sense because that you're looking at this in a in a, in a unregenerated man, which means someone without the Holy Spirit. And accountability in the world beyond meaning that they will be judged in the end. He continued that tone by coupling a obvious truth. A good name is better than precious ointment. With a more startling statement, the day of death better than the day of one's birth. This comes from the deep and pained sense of meaningfulness that the preacher suffered under. It made him feel that death was better than life. That's uh, Guzik as well. This next note is uh, Guzik as well. From a New Testament perspective, we have mixed feelings about the preacher's outburst. The day of death, better than the day of one's birth. On the, uh, uh, on the one hand, the day of death is glorious for the believer. Our battle is over. Our sorrow is over. Our uncertainty is over. And all things are new. Just like I said earlier, now Guzik is saying the same thing. On the other hand, we rejoice in the meaning God has given us with this life on earth. We agree with the Apostle Paul in uh, Philippians 1.23, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. That, that... Oh, those are some of... Those are probably one of my... Some of my favorite words that Paul says because as much as we go back and forth in our minds beloved sometimes I've been there it seems that Paul tends to do that a lot in in uh, in that little section of Philippians 123 if you just go read it for yourself this is my Ecclesiastes going back this is going back to my notes we're off of Guzik now we might I think we'll come back across Guzik but this is why Ecclesiastes is such an interesting book we know all scriptures breathed out by God but looking through uh, this book, it seems to be written in the eyes of someone that might not know God. Someone sad, depressed. And that's not me saying that Christians can't be depressed. They can. Just go read some, go read, go read Psalm, uh, uh, 
143 and read it out of the Amplified, the way David describes himself, okay? But this is about someone who doesn't know God, who's sad, depressed, and not sure where to find meaning in life. Just constantly back and forth mentally and emotionally. But, but it's so interesting because you are seeing a man who did know God, Solomon. He wrote this book explaining things from a human perspective. It's the one book, in my opinion, that is so oddly written because of the writer's perspective. But at the same time, it's still being inspired by God. To continue verse 2, It is better to go in the house of mourning than to go in the house of feasting. For that day of death is the end of every man. Is the end of end of every man. And the living will take it to heart. Remember that word heart. We're going to come back to that. And the living will take it to heart and solemnly ponder its meaning. Now, this word heart here in the Hebrew, it translates into inner man, mind, will, heart, understanding, inner part of the reflection or seat of appetites. Um, as seat of emotions and passions. Obvious for, obviously for me, the Hebrew here is, is uh, extraordinary. It's very uh, mind-opening. The word heart here is used hundreds, and I'm using hundreds as a literal term here um, um, in the Old Testament. Uh, it's used uh, in the Psalms as well. Solomon is continuing in this state of sadness. We see the end of chapter 6. He seems very depressed, very sad. He continues to talk about death. He says in verse 2, Every man will ponder on it. He is including himself for that everyone. How do I know that? Well, I think I, I go back to verse 1. The day of one's death. So obviously he's thinking about it. Verse 3. Or, I'm sorry, I've got to go back to this note. And so Solomon changes perspectives here in verse 3, and he continues down this matter of sorrow. Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. For when a face is sad, deep in thought, the heart may be happy because it's growing in wisdom. I can relate with this verse so much. Verse 3, I've had so many of these moments when I'm alone with the Lord, whether alone in my room or communing with him at a church service, being deep in thought but growing in wisdom. The Amplified explains here as uh, heart may be happy. Where it says, sorry, I'm, I'm not sure if that made sense what I just said. So let me, the Amplified here, it, it, it explains, it says when the face is sad, deep in thought, the heart may be happy. It might be. The sorrow and a face being sad should be described as the one who is doing verse 2. Ponder on the meaning of death and mourning. I'm going to say that one more time because I feel like that's I feel like that's really important. The sorrow and the face being sad that we see here in verse 3. Sorrow is better than laughter for when the face is sad should be described as the one who is doing verse 2 pondering on the meaning of death and mourning. Pondering on that. Now let me give you, let me actually, you know what? 
I think I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go off note real quick. Some of you guys know about my friend Brandon. Happened to pass away uh, last year. It was very sad. I did the eulogy and everything, and it was truly an honor to do something like that. Um, um, the family, their family. I'm not necessarily sure if they're saved, but I thought to myself. I wonder if Brandon's passing away is going to make them think about Jesus, eternal life, sin, death, whatever. And I had a thought of like, maybe they'll start going to church. And so they started texting me a little while after. And they said, hey, we're thinking about going to churches that Brandon went to. And I think I, I can see this verse. Uh, I can see verses two and three happening in their lives they're pondering on the meaning of death this next note might be a little bit confusing I tried to explain it best I could when I was typing it out now my only question about this verse about that verse when Solomon says the heart may be happy as we see in verse 3 is Solomon saying he may as an automatic thing to happen if the person is deep in thought or may doing air quotes may as a chance i'll say that one more time and i'm going to continue when solomon says i'm going to go back to my note here for when the face is sad deep in thought the heart may be happy is Solomon saying he may as an automatic thing to happen if the person is deep in thought or may as a chance? As a chance to maybe he'll ponder. I don't know. I would say it's the first definition that it's an automatic thing. To go into the house of mourning, it could be about anything. You will ponder on what you're sad about. That's been my experience at least. And you pray uh, you may get into you may get into the word and you may look for insight and time and time uh, time and time again even if it isn't a long time the Lord may reveal things to you about your mourning and you may then grow in wisdom and then be glad even if it's just the just a little bit of joy like oh my gosh that makes that that makes sense the 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 last year I have really dealt with the mourning of uh, my past, my childhood, and wondering why I think the way I think sometimes. Um, and slowly, very slowly, I want to put major emphasis on that. V I mean, very slowly. Like, like, like Peter says, one day is a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years is one day with the Lord. Like that, times infinity. That's how slowly it's taken. The Lord has given me knowledge about why I think the way I think, and a lot of it is it is tied to my childhood. And there's a reason behind that, though. And the Lord wants to use me in that for ministry. And I'm waiting on him to put me in that path and let him use me how he wants. Uh, he's also given me Bible verses uh, that I've just read and I've come across that have broken certain mindsets and constant sad emotions. Constant, like, same sad emotions. It's just, I've come across a verse and it's something just touches me. And it's all by God's grace. It's it's nothing by anything I did. He just did it because he wanted to do it. That's it. 
Verse 4, the heart of the wise learns when it is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is senseless in the house of pleasure. Read that one more time. Verse 4, the heart of the wise learns when it is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is senseless in the house of pleasure. Wow. Just look at the first part of verse 4. The heart of the wise, they learn when they're in the house of mourning. Beloved, let me ask you, have you had those moments where you're in a season and you're mourning or you're sad or you're depressed, but you're learning things? I have. I've been there. And I know pastors who have gone through that too. Not even just pastors. I know people. This shows one way that you're wise. There may be other ways where we act as fools. I'm sure there's th- I'm sure there's that's true for me. It's not that you're one or the other, it's that sometimes we act like fools and sometimes we act like wise people. But that's where we trust in the work of the Holy Spirit of sanctification in our hearts. When we see that back and forth, oh I'm not acting right here, oh, but I'm working right here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for sanctifying me. Thank you for circumcising my heart. Show me more. Commune with him in those moments. Recently, when I um, when I struggle with a particular sin and I feel bad about it, I've been practicing saying, Lord, thank you for sanctifying me. Um, it's something some of you guys uh, heard on a, another episode a while ago about uh, a, uh, a series called Sanctification. Uh, by Mike Abendroth. It's on AGTV. You can get a subscription and they've got tons of, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, content that you can, that you can look to and it's really good. Um, and that's one thing that he, that he said that really touched my heart and I've been putting it into practice and it's been really good. But let's go back to the, uh, second part of verse four. The reason why the heart of pleasure is senseless is because he has not learned in the past what to do in seasons of mourning. I'm going to say that one more time. The second part of verse 4 where it says, But the heart of fools is senseless in the house of pleasure. The reason why the heart of pleasure is senseless is because he has not learned in the past what to do in seasons of mourning. Now, the last part in verse 4, the Amplified adds in the words senseless that we see. Why is one's heart a fool in the house of pleasure? Because it's senseless. It doesn't truly find something to capture its heart. So it continues like a fool and tries to find joy in the pleasures of life. I'm going to say that just one more time. This is really just giving me insight as well. The, the last part in verse 4, the Amplified adds in the word senseless. Why is one's heart a fool in the house of pleasure? Because it's senseless. It, tr- it doesn't truly find something to capture its heart. So, because of that, it continues like a fool and tries to find joy in the pleasures of this life. Verse 5, it is better to listen to a rebuke of a wise man and pursue wisdom than for one to listen to the song of fools and pursue stupidity. 
This is this this is uh this this is really good. I love this verse. Let's look at the beginning part. And at the beginning part. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man and pursue wisdom. So what's the opposite then? I would think that are there fools that give rebukes? I would wholeheartedly agree. Jesus talked about those judging hypocritically, didn't he? In Matthew 7, those who are fools. I honestly feel in my heart of hearts that to listen to a rebuke of a fool is to do the next part of verse 5. To listen to the song of fools and pursue stupidity. I feel verse 4 can connect with verse 5 in a certain context. I'm going to read verse 4 and verse 5 real quick and I'm going to read my note for it. The heart, of wise, the heart of the wise learns when it is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is senseless in the house of pleasure. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man and pursue wisdom than for one to listen to the song of fools and pursue stupidity. Let's say you're in a tough season right now, whether it's in relationships with friends or family, money issues, struggling with a particular sin. Lord knows I deal with that. I'm, 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 I'm the Romans 7 believer trying to find the right job or degree to go for, whatever it is, in moments when we feel we are in the house of mourning, we must listen to the one who is wise in rebukes. Let's make that clear, okay? That, that's the key, beloved. That's the key, beloved. Listen to the one who is wise in their rebukes. Not the one who is a fool who gives rebukes. Because like I said, anyone can correct, rebuke, or instruct. Or instruct. Anyone can. But how have they handled their lives? Do they practice what they preach? I'm not asking for perfection, but when you step in something, what do you do? What's your reaction? How do they respond in seasons of trial? Do they blame others for their costly mistakes or for their sins? Are there certain things that people can do that can lead people to sin? Yes, and that needs to be addressed. But for things that are like, that's completely in your control, do, do they blame other people for that? Do they get upset with God in moments when, when it's all their fault, when making a decision? Or do they humble themselves, deny themselves, and receive instruction from wise men and the living God? Verse 6, For the crackling of burning thorn bushes under a pot, so is laughter of a fool. And this too is vanity, futility. For oppression makes a wise man foolish, and a bribe corrupts the good judgment of the heart. That verse is a verse that really um, opened my mind recently to understand uh, just certain ways that I think and that it's it's tied to my childhood. It, The Lord just slowly, just little by little, showing me things. It's unbelievable. We taught you, and I, you know, I, I would talk about it, but I, we're kind of, I got to wrap this up. I got 30 minutes left, but Lord willing, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that another day, but you really have to trust me on this. I, I, honest to God, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm being honest. We talked earlier on how slowly the Lord has renewed my mind a lot with mindsets constantly overwhelming me for years. And it was different mindsets for different seasons, but it was the same mindset over and over again for different seasons and realizing that it does come from my childhood. So again, I know I'm repeating myself a lot, but you know, I am reading from my notes. 
the same time, I'm not here to entertain. I'm here to equip. And part of that small renewing is the Lord directing my steps to come to certain Bible verses that have broken things down in me for more freedom. And not that Christ hasn't completely set me free, but I guess I mean uh, freedom in like understanding things and um, freedom in uh, thinking, if that makes sense. This is another verse that makes me understand uh, things even more clearer now. I swear I have had so many of these moments happen to me and I subconsciously think, man, I feel so free. I'm not sure I need any more scripture to help me understand things more. <laughs> Either that's my pride or it's my gratitude to the Lord for all the work that he's done so far. I can see God looking back going, ha ha, you just hang in there, bud. <laughs> Verse 8, the end of the matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit, pride. My gosh, this is another another verse that looking back, I can see God was possibly thinking when I dealt, thinking of when I dealt with those wounds for so long. Just being patient. Just waiting instead of being haughty before the Lord. But think about this verse in the lens of the cross. Why is the end of the matter better than all that Christ had to go through for us to redeem us from our sins? Because there is no more work to be done. There is no reason for Christ to get back up off of his throne again. There's none. He finished it. Verse 9, Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger dwells in the heart of fools. Read that one more time real quick. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger dwells in the heart of fools. Now this verse, let's break this down carefully, because we see many God-fearing men in the Bible get angry. And we're going we're gonna to look at some scriptures here. And it was a good anger, a righteous anger. We're going to look at what kind of anger Solomon is talking about here. Let's look at a few examples. Now you guys are going to have to trust me on this, um, but you can look at it yourself. Um, but I, I double-checked my work here on this particular verse. Uh, one verse that I thought of using was Matthew 21, 12 through 13. I looked at the ESV, the NASB, the NIV, the NLT, and the Amplified. This is the story of Jesus coming into the temples and seeing, seeing people sell the animals for sacrifice. And Jesus rebukes them and tells them to stop. And he quotes, some Old, he quotes some Old Testament scripture. But nowhere does it signify that Jesus was angry. We can look at the text and assume that Jesus was angry. But I feel that that's premature. Now, this verse here in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 16. Many of you may know this verse, but here it is out of the ESV. We're going to look at a word in the Greek here in this verse, Lord willing. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked. Come back to that word. Within him, as he saw that the city was full of idols. So provoked here is a pretty good translation in the Greek, but it can also translate into the following. To irritate, to arouse to anger, or to burn with anger. I don't think it would be wise to say that Paul was a fool. So 
With that being said, let's continue. Let's go back to verse 9. Let's read it again. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger dwells in the heart of fools. Now, there's a few words that we're going to um, look here in the Greek in the, or Hebrew, I believe. The word eager and the word dwells. First part I want to look at is it says to not be quick to become angry. Um, other translations will say eager. But then it says the uh, then it then it says in the following that anger dwells in the heart of fools. Let's look at this word dwells in the Hebrew. I said we come back to that, okay? In the Hebrew, it's the word nuach. Nuach. It's spelled in case you're taking notes, N U A H, N U A H. Now the definition is this is this is where it gets really interesting, and it means to rest, to rest by means of settle down and remain. Or to let remain. Now, it does translate as um, leaving as well. This, this Hebrew word, nuach. As if you were leaving something behind. But I think Solomon is trying to use the definition of resting and letting it remain. That's just, it's too clear in the verse. I'm sorry. This verse speaks to me as well about a particular emotion. I have been battling about a particular situation. Okay, and when I look at this verse in that definition we just looked at, it helps me understand my situation a lot better. So, why do I believe my, my, my translation is true about this verse? Because it says to not be quick to anger. But you can look at another translation. Um, you, can, you can also translate it into be eager, which means we can get angry, but when we do so, do it with patience. And when you do, don't stay that way. So it's important to, you know, we can read a verse and, and read it and just, and then go, well, what about this verse? How does that make sense? Instead of, you know, what's the words that are being used here? Let's look at this carefully. And this is beloved. This is where we become more wise with our tongues. This is where we're able to equip the body more with truth. Just for example, think about it this way. When Satan comes to Jesus, we see in, I think it's Matthew 4, I believe. And he's like, you know, the scripture says, just throw yourself off. The angels will catch you. Well, part of that is true, but you're also tempting God. So it's, it's you know, see, Satan is not, he's, he's using the verse how he would want to instead of how does God see it. Lean on his understanding. Verse 10, do not say, where were the old days? Or sorry, I read that wrong. Verse ten: Do not say, "Why were the old days better than those? Better than these?" For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Wow, I, I've I've said that before. Remember, people say like, "What about the good old days?" <laughs> You've heard that. You've heard that in some cheesy Disney movie or something, right? Why is there no wisdom in this type of speech? Why? Because it seems this person would be speaking out of, out of eager, out of, out of an eager heart to be angry, like we read in verse nine. Maybe I don't know. Verse ten. I feel we have so many of these moments. We can ponder on the good days, the seasons of joy and rest. But Solomon is telling us to examine our hearts, that we are not speaking out of something that is good. Verse eleven. Um, we're gonna try and finish this up here in fifteen minutes. My gosh, it's gonna be tight. Here we go. Okay, Lord, help me do this. <laughs> Verse 11, wisdom along with an inheritance is good and an excellent advantage for those who see the sun. 
for wisdom is a protection even as money is a protection. But the excellent advantage of knowledge is that wisdom shields and preserves the lives of its possessors. Consider the work. Remember that word, the work. We're going to come back to that because the Hebrew in there, it's huge. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has bent? The word, we said we come back to this, the work. In the Hebrew, it's one word. It's one Hebrew word. And some of the definitions are, are here are very interesting. There's quite a few here, but check this out. It can mean deed, thing done, labor, business, pursuit, undertaking, enterprise, achievement, works in the definition of deliverance and judgment, thing made, or product. But let's look at the root word here. This is something new that I want to get into my studies. I have inquired um, someone who knows this kind of language really well and has grown in this area. And it's the person that I said at the beginning of the sermon, uh, beginning of my of this uh, podcast, uh, Kevin Butcher. Um, now, let me make this one quick uh, side note 